Good morning. Good to be with you. Welcome to the bridge. And if this is your first time, really pleased to have you here and uh, thrilled that you would gather with us. And we um, just pray that your experience here would be uh, blessed. And um, uh, again, very pleased to have those of you joining us online. Thrilled to have you as well. Um, real quick, before we dive into the message this morning as we kick off a new series, um, Lauren, in her prayer, um, just made me begin, started me thinking about all of the crazy that's going on in the world. That's a good word to describe, to describe it. And uh, it's been something kind of burdening my own heart for some time, and that is the, the need for um, specific intentional prayer. And um, so I want to just throw a couple of things at you, and these are things that if you are a praying person, um, I would encourage you to have on your prayer list. And I'm going to work with our team here to figure out how we can draw attention to these things in the coming weeks and months um, more intentionally in our worship service. So a um, couple of things, some of the crazies that are happening in our world. One is just Chicago. Chicago. And if you watch the news, if you pay attention to some of the things that are happening, there are people uh, being murdered um, regularly in Chicago. There's a ton of violence on the south side of Chicago. And it's just, uh, there, we don't live there, and, and it'd be really easy for us to forget about Chicago and say that has nothing to do with us or me or anything. And I would just say if we could... If we could put that at the forefront of our, of our prayer list, um, to think about, yes, a community outside of our own, but to be intentional to pray for Chicago, please, if you would. And we're going to begin to kind of think about how we can do that here um, as a church, and that's, um, or especially at the bridge. So that's the one thing, just the utter violence um, that only the hand of God can bring peace to um, and hopefully the folks are doing something there, uh, the local authorities are doing something there as well. Um, and then the second thing is this, is on a more uh, global scale, and that is some of you are, are aware of the incredible crisis um, in Europe with refugees, and um, there are displaced children in particular. About half the refugees, the millions of refugees that are displaced in Europe, about half are children. And um, you've seen the images, I'm not going to put them on the screen, you've seen the images of children who have been the victims of what's going on there. And I don't need to remind you of those. But again, if we could be intentional about lifting that part of the world up in prayer, I think it would be powerful. I think it would do something for us, and I absolutely believe that God responds to his people when we pray. Amen, amen. So, so, like I said, if you could put those on your prayer list, if you're a praying person, please do that and be intentional about praying for Chicago and praying about um, what's happening in Europe with Syrian refugees. Um, if you're going to join us um, on December 3rd for Pack the Forest, that's our big event where we uh, pack lots of meals, we're, we're tacking on to Pack the Forest. Um, another project called, um, well, it's, it's all part of Pack the Forest, but we're going to be packing uh, promise packs for Syrian refugee children. So um, these, these backpacks will be packed with essential items to help some of these children who have been displaced. We're going to do 500 of those. So along with 65,000 meals on December 3rd, 
over at FLA. We're going to pack 500 of these promise packs that will go to Europe to aid and to help. So we're not just going to pray. We're going to put some action to what we're praying about um, with that particular project. All right? You with me? Say amen. 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 All right. Cool, cool. All right. Let's pray and we'll dive in. Father God, thank you for today. Thank you for this gathering that we have here called The Bridge. Thank you for the people who gathered with us. And Father, may you speak to our hearts this morning. May you speak in such a way that it moves us, that it compels us to not just stay in one place, but to become all that you would have us to become. Father, we lift up Chicago and the pain and the violence that is happening there. We ask that you would turn your attention there. As we already know, you are aware of pain and suffering wherever, but Father, may you intensify your spirit's work there. When we think of the pain that's going on in Europe right now, we think of the awfulness that many children are having to live through, and we pray that you would especially turn your spirit loose there as well. Be with us now, Father God, as we open your word in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Second Corinthians, um, if you have a Bible, uh, or you can follow along on the screens, or whatever device you have, we're in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we'll be looking at verses 14 through 17, and um, I encourage you to, um, to check that out. Uh, we're in a series, we're kicking off a new series called The End of Me, The End of Me. We'll be looking at um, really four basic ideas through the month of October is uh, uh, how long this series goes. The four basic ideas are these. You must be broken to be whole. That's what we'll look at today. You must be broken to be whole. You must mourn to be happy. You must mourn to be happy. You must be authentic to be accepted. And you must be empty to be filled. Those are the four ideas for the End of Me series. And so we begin this morning in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 14 through 17. It goes like this, for Christ's love, for Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. Verse 15, here's the end of me. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves. Hang on to that. But for him who died for them and was raised again, verse 16. So from now on, we, re we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Verse 17, this is the hope and the promise. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Amen. So, um... I occasionally find myself in Walmart, and um, I noticed a few weeks ago, as I was making my way through Walmart, grabbing a few things, um, I noticed this section in Walmart right towards the checkout area where all the cashiers are. And I glanced over to my right as I was heading out, and, and I, I picked up on some, of, um, some, of the, some interesting items. And this is kind of the section where I would kind of call it the, the life hack section of Walmart. And it's all these, all these items, all these um, uh, things that 
are intended to help make life a little bit simpler and a little bit easier. You probably have seen uh, these items in Walmart before or other stores. And um, a lot on the, on the box, usually it says on these things, it says, as seen on TV. So you've likely seen this, this piece of, this device or this, uh, this, uh, this thing that's designed to help you in your life. You've seen it on TV in one of those, one of those late night infomercials or something like that. So I grabbed a few pictures of some of these devices, some of these things, and I'm going to have Rob put them up on the screen because I thought they were very interesting. This is the, I know it's kind of a small image, but it's called the Easy Lift. The Easy Lift. So the, uh, the tagline for the Easy Lift is, um, is this, stop struggling to get in and out of cars. So if you have a hard time, and you can kind of see, if you have a hard time getting out of your car, you can use this little, I don't know what it is, this little thing and attach it to your car. So when you start to get out, you can, you can lean on it and it'll help you get out of your car. <laughs> How nifty. Yeah. That's great. The easy lift. And if you have it, that's good. All right. So go, <laughs> go to the next one here, Rob. This is my personal favorite. Um, and I know none of you have this in your house. I know none of you have this in your house. It's called the Bacon Boss. The Bacon Boss. Crispy bacon right from your microwave. And uh, everyone should have a Bacon Boss because you don't want your bacon to be soggy. Um, but I imagine it does triples too for you Adventists because I just offended many of you. Uh, but that's the bacon boss. I guess we could make the stripple boss too. Um, all right, so next one. These are great. I love them. The handy heater. Yeah. So the handy heater is quick and easy heat anywhere. And you can just plug it right into the plug and it'll generate lots of heat to heat your entire room. I'm sure of it. Not. Okay. And the last one. These are great. This is, one, this is what I'm wearing right now, if you probably picked up on the fact that I'm a little bit thinner this morning. It's called the, <laughs> it's called the Hot Shaper. <laughs> and you can look up to two sizes slimmer instantly. And they're amazing befores and afters. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so... Man, I just, I, I, I glanced over, took a few pictures of, of these items, and it just dawned on me that we, we do live in such a time and in such a culture that we are trying to find things that allow us to, um, to do life a little bit easier, to have things be a little bit more comfortable for us, to... Um, to accomplish tasks or to, to, have, to, to have life, um, to have there be some sort of shortcut that will allow me to arrive at something better and more pleasing in my life. And there's a certain sort of attitude that I believe that sort of bleeds over into how we approach God in our spiritual lives. And, and sometimes we kind of think maybe it comes down to having the right piece of equipment. Maybe it comes down to having the right sort of life hack or spiritual life hack, if you will, that, that will allow me to achieve something and allow my life to be 
more comfortable and more convenient with as little work as humanly possible, right? I mean, come on. And so we approach spiritual life sometimes in this same way. And here's the thing. There's really nowhere in Scripture where that is reality. The truth about spiritual life and the truth about becoming all that God wants us to become. In fact, in our passage it says that the old has come and the new has arrived, that we are a new creation. In order for us to experience the reality of new creation, there is no device, there is no gimmick, there is no thing produced in an infomercial that you and I can acquire to get us there. What has to happen, what is absolutely essential to us becoming all that God wants us to become, is an experience of brokenness. It's just the truth. It's just reality. And you can look at, you can look at many of the great people of Scripture. You can look at many of the heroes of the Bible, if you will, and a hundred percent of them, absolutely each one, you will see where they experienced deep and profound brokenness. And it was the God of the universe who would step into their lives, or as an encounter with Jesus, his son, that brought them to wholeness. There was no gimmick, there was no easy little thing that they uh, incorporated into their life, there was no um, there was no thing that they could purchase. There was no thing like that. It was just this experience of deep and profound brokenness. And in that brokenness, they turned and they began to realize that really what brokenness is, is becoming profoundly aware of my desperate need for the God of the universe and realizing that in and of myself, there is no way that I become whole without him. That's just it. I mean, there, there, you, you come to a place where you clearly see there is a holy and an awesome and a mighty God, and I am not him. You lose your God complex because we all sort of take this approach to life at times that we have it all together and we've got it all figured out. We are the source of all wisdom and knowledge and I can do this thing on my own and we're fiercely independent and so forth, right? But there comes a place as you live life and it knocks you around enough that you see clearly that in and of myself, I can do nothing. I am nothing without the God of the universe. That's just, that's just the reality that you come to. And it is in that reality that it may be a very difficult, painful time. It may be a time in which you very well may feel abandoned, all right? But it is in that time that God does his best work where he tends to get our attention and we tend to focus in and hone in on the reality of our surroundings. And, and, mo and most of the people that we celebrate in scripture have had this experience. You can look at King David. King David committed terrible sin and was far from God. And when he came, when he was confronted by the prophet Nathan, it hit him like a ton of bricks. And that's where we get Psalms 51. 
And he says, create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew within me a steadfast spirit. Why? Because he, he realized that he was nothing without God, and he desperately needed God to take him from this place of brokenness to a place of becoming whole and healed. You can look at, look at all, all these people that we celebrate, and they, uh, you take Peter, you take Peter, and Peter, this one who would, who would say, I will never deny you, Jesus. There's no way I'd ever turn my back on you. And you can look at the life of Peter, and he was, he was one of these guys that was just, just bold on behalf of Christ at times. And yet, when the chips were down, he failed miserably. And then when he saw Jesus again, post-resurrection and Jesus asked him those, those those questions about whether or not he loved him and then Jesus reinstates Peter Jesus makes him whole Jesus says you you are still accepted here and I, I and, and, and in those moments you you have to know because it's the it's Peter who as we get into um, Acts the book of Acts you see Peter emerge as this leader he he was he was compelled primarily because he understood the deep and profound love of Jesus he lost sight of himself he moved on from being primarily focused on him to being mainly focused on Jesus. That's what it means to come to the end of me. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 3, listen to this. Um, Colossians 3, verse 3, it says this, For you died. Paul states the reality of everyone who becomes a Christ follower. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. John the Baptist would say when he was here on earth, he would say, I must decrease, Jesus must increase. That's what it means, the end of me. And it often comes through an experience of brokenness. Brokenness. You have died and your life is now hidden with Christ and God. Here's Romans 2.8, and I'm going to prepare you for Romans 2.8, is pretty harsh but it's important to hear because if we never arrive at a place of brokenness we'll tend to just sort of pretend and go along and we'll never become the new creation we were intended to be right so listen to romans it's a bit of a warning that if we never arrived at the if if we never arrive at the end of me then we never really become who we were intended to be Romans 2.8, he says, but for those who are self-seeking, but for those who are self-seeking and who reject the truth and follow evil, there will be wrath and anger. Woo. I know, we, we don't talk about that stuff in church very often, but the reality is God calls us, God invites us into a different place. Now, God doesn't always instigate the brokenness. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that God sends you trouble in order to break you, in order to change you. Often the circumstances are generated by silly things that we do on our, on our own, right? And often it's just the reality of sin that is present in the culture and in the world, right? And we have to deal with those realities. But at any rate, 
it may be the opportunity in which God is able to reveal himself in a deeper way to you, in a deeper way to me. That he brings us through this time of brokenness because he has in mind for us to make us whole, to make us this new creation. So, I want to go back to the passage um, in 2 Corinthians. Stay with me. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14 in particular. And pick up on a number of things here. He says this, For Christ's love compels us. Just right there. It's interesting, the word compels. Um, the original word, in, in the original language of the Greek, which is the New Testament, the original word has as its meaning, as the idea of something that is held together. Christ's love held together because we are convinced. So if you read that and you read into it, love held together, the idea of, of us being held together. In other words, we're compelled to move in the direction in the midst of brokenness we're, we're compelled because of love, because we understand the deep and profound love of Jesus. It is what holds us together. So when it feels like your world is falling apart, when it feels like in the midst of brokenness, there's no way that I can ever get control, that I can ever come back together because I'm in pieces, the Bible says that God's love holds you together. Isn't that awesome? That word compel is actually more better defined as held together. So, so uh, Paul, as he's writing here in 2 Corinthians, says, For Christ's love compels us. It's what holds us together even in the midst of challenging times because we are convinced. So not only are we compelled, not only are we held together, but we are deeply convinced. Another word for convinced is convicted. That one died for all and therefore all died. Paul says the thing that compels us and holds us together is God's love. It was expressed through the one who died for me and died for everyone. The most compelling, the most profound thing that moves us through brokenness into wholeness is a deep conviction about the gospel and that Jesus Christ has done something for you and me. Now you don't, see we got to understand just how, how big that one is. Because the reality is there is a tendency for us, there is a tendency sometimes for us not to be confident or deeply convicted about what Christ has done. We tend to be concern about what it is I have to do, right? That tends to be where the focus is very often. And so an essential key to make sure that we move through brokenness to a place of wholeness is to be deeply compelled, to understand that God's love holds us together, but to be deeply convicted about the reality of the gospel, and that is it is primarily it is all about what Christ has done, not so much what you have to do. It's the heart and soul of the gospel. Right? It's like the, the old definition that, that I've used many, many times here, and I'll use it again. 
um, the difference between religion and gospel. Uh, religion is, I obey, therefore I am accepted. Gospel is, I am accepted, therefore I obey. Right? The reality is you, you are accepted. The one died for you. And that's universal. He died for everyone. For God so loved the Seventh-day Adventist church. That ain't what it says, people. No. For God so loved the world. Christ died for all of humanity. In their brokenness, in our brokenness, Jesus come, came to this earth and he died for humanity. The question becomes, how does humanity respond to a God who demonstrated such selflessness and such love to a broken people? And this is his, this is Paul's, this is Paul's um, description of his experience and what, what has happened to him and what is going to continue to happen to him. And it's in, um, it's in these verses that he talks about. So let me continue on. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves. That's the uh, reality of coming out of this place of brokenness that I no longer live for myself. Um, who died for them and was raised again. Verse 16. So from now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. The journey to the new... The journey from brokenness to new creation is a journey of relationship. It's a, it's a journey of knowing and becoming deeply convicted of God's love for you. It's what compels you, right? It's what holds you together as we go from brokenness to being whole and new creation. And, and so it's this, it's this journey of, of, of relationship and and, and oftentimes we lose sight of the fact that it is relationship. And relationship is profoundly difficult. Relationship isn't easy. When my conservative and hyper-conservative friends dog on me and others because we talk so much about grace and relationship, they're dismissing the notion, the, the notion that relationship is really, really hard. They say, oh, no, no. Relationship is easy. Baloney. How many of y'all married? Is relationship easy? Hello? Help me out here, people. All right? I know your spouse sitting next to you. It's all right. You can affirm it. It's all, it's all good. Yeah. It's challenging. And for those of you who have been married a short time, you know, maybe you haven't experienced the challengingness of it all. But the reality of it is relationship Relationship is, is difficult. Two people come to this thing and both of them are broken. Both of them are messed and they bring baggage. And, and then they're expected to live together and be together and do life together. And then they bring little broken children into the whole thing, right? <laughs> and they mess them up even more. <laughs> right? So this thing isn't, this relationship idea, when we throw that word out there, man, if you, if you read scripture, if you read it, you read it well. You see a lot of messy relationships. 
You see a group of people, read the book of Hosea, right? And, and God just pleads with them and wants them to return to him and wants them to understand his deep and profound love for them. You just keep running off. Be faithful to me. Love me. Be exclusive only with me. Just, just I want to be with you. And then we go running off. And there's anger and there's betrayal. Relationship has never been easy. And yet the God of the universe, if you read the, through the rest of this particular chapter, chapter 5, it talks about how we have been reconciled to God. That we've come back into favor with with God and he continues to do a work of reconciliation and then he then he endorses us as his reconcilers too so you and I have this work of bringing broken people into contact with the God who heals and reconciles wow wow so the journey again from brokenness to being made whole and new creation. It's just that. And it doesn't happen overnight because you have the bacon machine. It doesn't, there's no hack to it. There's no shortcut. There's no device that you can plug into the wall that will get you there. It is relationship with, communion with, connection to the God of the universe. So my awesome wife and I have this ongoing joke, um, and it is actually it may be she may be very serious about it. I kind of joke about it, but um, anytime we watch an action movie, and like a like a, you know just a mindless sort of action flick with lots of car chases and explosions and bullets. Um, and it's really, really, really bad, or maybe we watch a superhero movie or something like that, and it's just kind of okay, yeah, whatever. Um, and it's really bad. It's always this kind of thing uh, with us, is now you have to watch The Notebook, like five times, right? <laughs> yeah, that happens in your house too, doesn't it? Yes. All the men are like, yeah, that's us too. Woo, seen The Notebook about 50 times, right? So, so you know, we, so we... I. We go back and forth about this, you know, that, um, um, you know, we see kind of these silly action flicks and has no depth or meaning, I confess, and I'll admit that. She says, we got to watch the, got to watch the notebook now. And uh, here's, my, here's my problem with a lot of the, the romantic flicks, and, and this, that's a good one, it is, I really believe that. Um, it, they never show, they show... They show the couple get together, and it's wonderful, and, it's, and they overcome all the things that people overcome to just be together, and that's a big part of the story. But what they don't show is what happens the day after, right? They don't show you the life together that the people have. They don't show you the arguments and the fights about money. They don't show you the, 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 the relationship. And so, as we think about brokenness to being whole, you can't miss the story of a God who wants to be in relationship with you and me. 
And the way he takes us from this place of brokenness into a place of being, crea- being recreated and being made new and being made whole, it's just through the beauty and the power of a relationship. And it's being with him, it's praying to him, it's knowing him. Um, there's, there's a song that, that I heard not too long ago, and um, you guys can go ahead and come on up. But I heard it, and it made me think about the message that I would kind of share with you today. Um, it's a song by an artist by the name of Andre Day. And um, I read a little bit of the background of the story of the song, just so I could make sure it was relevant, and I've read the lyrics and so forth. But it's this great ballad, really, and it, it comes from a deep place of brokenness in the artist's own life. And... Um, I asked these guys if they would sing it just because I thought it'd be very, very meaningful. And, and the beauty of it is it just has, has these words, rise up. And oftentimes when we're broken, when we're down, when we're beaten, when it's dark, the one thing we need to know and the thing that we need to hear that there's hope and that there's a God who comes over and lifts us up and says, hey, come on, let's be in a relationship together. I'll restore you and make you whole.